That truly could have happened to either one of us. So, <laughs> yeah, I didn't even realize I was logged into Anchor until all of a sudden I was not logged into Anchor. <laughs> and I was like, "This is a problem. We can't record with you, stranger." They were like, "We need to vet you again. We need to try this <laughs> one more time. Who are you? Like, how did um, I? But how did I get logged out? This is just further proof that I like don't understand podcasts." <laughs> Um, which is great because you have one now. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Actually, it is reminding me, though, of uh, mom and dad's relationship to apps, wherein, <laughs> which has created the debacle, which is uh, mom's three Instagram accounts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which I don't, I mean, I am truly not blaming her. That is the idea of like getting logged out I was just telling Julia so I guess what happened to all of you who maybe we didn't uh fully explain Julia got locked out of anchor um (laughs) and had to do the reset password which I was telling her some of the things that I feel like I have in my life I only log into by resetting my password every time I need it yeah well it did that like really tricky thing where I put in my email address and then I put in what I assumed was my password because it's the same password I use for everything ah uh, yes and the- <laughs> dad would be proud dad's gonna listen to this and call you immediately I mean it's one of his weird passwords so oh really yeah he probably would be like a little proud not proud that I'm using it for everything but proud that it's say, like a secure password it might actually be like a thorn in the side of his like <laughs> attempt to make us all as secure as possible that like he gave you this password but like the irony of it is that you're using it for everything <laughs> I mean sometimes I throw different numbers at the end of it oh I 100% always that's like all I ever do to change a password I'm like oh sorry I already used this one (laughs) put the numbers at the front now (laughs) yeah let me just use this secure password and put my pin number at the end of it (laughs) oh god I know I actually had to go to the bank and do a new pin number today and the woman I I truly had like a close to a nervous breakdown as the woman was staring at me she pushed the passcode little thing over to me and was like, okay, you need to create a new password. And then right as I was being like, oh, I got this. Sure. She goes, it can't be anything that you, any numbers that you associate yourself with. And I was like, why would you ever say that to me? <laughs> what do you mean I can't use my birthday? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. What do you mean I can't use the same PIN number I've used for as long as I've had a debit card? <laughs> what do you mean I can't use that number that has been hacked like three different times? Yeah. Um, but we're here now. We made it. We made it in a really insecure way. Oh, but yeah, so <laughs> <Yeah>. I was <laughs> the story that I didn't finish. So Anchor tricked me and it did that like really tricky thing where it made me put in my username and password, which I assumed was correct. And then it was like, Do you want to save this? And I was like, Yeah, I want to save this. I don't want to happen again. And then it was like, Oh, by the way, it's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Anchor, why would you do that to me? Come on. 
So then I had to reset it and then go back in and be like, can you re-save the right version? <laughs> yeah, come on. <laughs> so That's I don't so funny. Like, put my thumbprint in and have it pop up as the wrong password every time. <laughs> <laughs> true oh my god i'm gonna listen to this later editing it and be like is this too much information can people can put people all this together and steal our shit i <laughs> truly don't have passwords. that much shit so please don't steal my shit <laughs> yeah and honestly the only thing that has my birthday as a password is my voicemail code and like i don't care uh, if anyone yeah. hears that you're just gonna be hearing about like child nutrition programs <laughs> <laughs> yeah because full circle again life update you have a new job that we can talk about now that you're not cranky <laughs> yeah new job new job was not making me cranky the move was making me cranky yes, so true sorry for yeah. anyone who is listening from julia's new job it, i fully understand that it was the uh mattress and no cats situation that was making you mad uh, not the job no cats yeah no one from my job will ever know that i have a podcast <laughs> <laughs> mostly because i don't know where to draw the line between like work and home life <laughs> oh well i mean that's fair <laughs> like how much do you want your coworkers to know and also, how much can I say without, like, compromising the company? <laughs> oh, <laughs> fair. <laughs> but you also have a cat now. Yeah, I brought Mushu back with me. Mushu, Mushu, Mushu. Mushu. He's actually on the bed right now. I can maybe get him to... Mushu! Nope, dead silence. Oh, <laughs> it's okay. That's pretty indicative of his personality, I feel like. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Although I was lucky enough when we talked the other day to hear a little, a few little mushu purrs on the phone. Yeah. Oh, I can get him to purr for sure. I just can't get him to cry on demand. He has performance anxiety. Oh, that's fair. I mean, don't we all? Um, Also, so I don't know which, sorry, I just walked into my kitchen and I don't know what neighbor around me is like the massive pothead but it like oh shit you getting secondhand high (laughs) well it like leaks through my walls I don't know I don't know I don't like I don't know what direction it's coming from I think it might be my downstairs neighbors because it keeps wafting into different rooms like I thought it was the people who were like on the other side of my bedroom because last time I had like a whole room smell like pot it was my bedroom and I was like oh no no. these people on like the other side of my bedroom wall are massive potheads and my bedroom goes smell like pot all the time but now now it is my kitchen which is on the other side of my apartment so I think it's maybe the people downstairs and they're just like moving around in their apartment I was going to say, maybe they're just such potheads that they're smoking in, like, a lot of different places. Yeah, yeah they're just smoking, and it's, like, wafting up. Yeah, so, oh, man. New well, new things you have to deal with when you have new neighbors. Which, oh, my God, is actually such a fun segue because this is the cat who lived high. The cat who lived high. Woo! But not oh, that also, kind of high. Uh, yeah, it's true. It's not that kind of high, despite the fact that I think I have said that in every episode so far in which we've talked about it. Yeah. Um, also, welcome to Paranormal Captivity. Welcome to Paranormal Captivity. <laughs> We're back. Also, thank you guys so much for listening and for, like, tweeting to us or, you know, posting stuff on social media. It's been so awesome. And some people have left some really sweet, sweet uh, iTunes reviews, and that was just so... It's just so cool. Um, people are also have been saying like that they God, can you hear Franklin in the background? He's doing his like oh, woe is me cry. Aww. 
What was you, Franklin? It's been so cool because a bunch of people have said that they too remember their mom or their grandma or someone reading. Oh shit! I think Franklin's on the TV. Oh no, he's off. Okay. Can you stop, please? I'm trying to talk about cats. Talking about cats. Oh, do you want to talk oh. about your other new cat? Yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah, we should say too. Um, yeah, I think I mentioned him briefly last episode. But yeah, we got Shadow, and sorry, there has been like a time lapse, because Julia and I worked so far ahead, so we weren't really current until, I guess, last episode. Um, But yeah, last episode I mentioned him briefly, Shadow is this cute little adorable all-black kitten that John and I found, um, and we lured off the streets. He is definitely growing, like, we've had him for probably about a month now, I guess. Yeah. Exactly um, and I, a month because didn't you catch him on October first? Oh my god, we did! Yeah, because I kept being like, "John, we have to keep him. It means so much. It's a black cat on October first And he was like, "I don't. I think that only means something in your mind." <laughs> <laughs> but I think we are probably going to keep him. Um, we're still kind of, if anyone we know is like really, you know, looking for a cat and we think is really cool we would consider that but I think we're probably going to keep him because he's so cute he was this afternoon he was just laying with um with Franklin like all all curled up together and even Murphy's been licking him like grooming him so I think they're fitting in pretty well together nice except he is kind of a little demon he does a little like flail about like especially in the morning he'll just get up on the uh on the bed and we'll wake up to like little kitten claws like digging into our (laughs) legs or something because he's like wah but yeah so that's that I'm trying to think of any other updates oh the other thing I was gonna say so last week or maybe it was the week before um so I you guys probably know I work on a podcast called and that's why we drink I work for Evan Christine the hosts there and they are just so sweet and wonderful and so supportive and awesome that they mentioned uh, paranormal captivity uh, at the end of one of their episodes. And they mentioned it by, Em actually gave me this amazing set of ghost stories Woo. and was basically like, you know, you and your sister like books and here's a segue. Here's like a cute little amazing gift of books. Well, I'll definitely post them on social media because I thought it'd be fun to um, add like a little homage to Em and Christine and how great they are and how much I love them um, to read a, a story out of this short storybook. They're honestly just like a page and a half. And I actually found one about cats. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So should I just, I guess I should just do that now. Oh, I should also say too. So these are there. It's from the book, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark um, by Alvin Schwartz. And honestly, like, as soon as M pulled these out of his backpack, I was like, oh, I remember from, like, every, ow, Jesus, stop, stop biting me. <laughs> That's Shadow. Mm-hmm. Biting my feet. Yeah, so they're literally, so these are, like, every, like, I have seen these in, like, every elementary school, middle school, high school, library growing up. They're, like, I'll post a picture of them on social media, but the cover is, like, the skeleton, like, growing out of the ground. And there, it's like three set, like a three set story of is like it, short. Is it like goosebumps recognizable or like animorphs nostalgia for like you know book fairs and whatever? Grade yeah, they I had think book so. Fairs? I think they were at Scholastic book fairs, as M even said on the podcast that they were like always checked out. 
um especially around halloween you could just like never get them Uh, because everyone was like wanting to read them all the kids were like well scary stories yeah i was always too scared like i my my whole like love of horror is very newly developed but i am really excited about it actually i am so thrilled to own these now and i read a bunch of them today and i was so excited about it so i found this one that involves cats so this is for you emma christine all right this one is called wait till martin comes an old man was out for a walk when a storm came up he looked for a place to take shelter soon he came to an old house he ran up to the porch and knocked on the door but nobody answered By now, rain was pouring down, thunder was booming, and lightning was flashing, so he tried the door. When he found it was unlocked, he went inside. Except for a pile of wooden boxes, the house was empty. He broke up some of the boxes and made a fire with them. Then he sat down in front of the fire and dried himself. It was so warm and cozy that he fell asleep. When he woke up, a black cat was sitting near the fire. It stared at him for a while, then it purred. That's a nice cat, he thought, and he dozed off again. When he opened his eyes, there was a second cat in the room, but this one was as big as a wolf. It looked at him very closely, and it said, shall we do it now? Oh. Which I just, is so creepy, and I love it. No. (laughs) Horrifying cats. No, the other cat said. Let's wait until Martin comes. (gasps) I must be dreaming, thought the old man. He closed his eyes again. Then he took another look. But now there was a third cat in the room, and this one was as big as a tiger. It looked the old man over, and it asked, shall we do it now? No, said the others. Let's wait till Martin comes. (gasps) The old man jumped up, jumped out the window, and started running. When Martin comes, you tell him I couldn't wait, he called. And that's the end. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) So we'll never know who Martin is. We'll never know who Martin is. Martin could be... I mean, they could have been nice. You know, there actually were a couple other stories in here that were, like, a little bit tricky like that. Like, yeah. there was one about a viper. Like, a guy kept calling this this old woman and was like, I'm the viper. I'm coming to get. I'm coming for you. And then it just turned out it was a guy who was trying to say wiper, like a window wiper. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, I totally remember that from, like, elementary school. <laughs> oh, my God. So you did read these. You do I like books. I don't know if I read them in books or if it was just like they were like stories that like little kids liked to tell around Halloween time to like trick each other be like I'm telling a scary story just kidding it's not scary <laughs> <laughs> well actually the cool thing about these is that they, I read it like most of this first book today and there actually are a bunch of the short stories are like interactive so like oh. they tell you like in parentheses some of them there's actually another one that was really cool I almost did that one it was like started telling the story and then in parentheses it would be like now hand this person it was like this one was very like uh, sensory mm. so it was like you're supposed to like you know do the scary like squishy spaghetti thing or like grit peeled oh, yeah. grapes so it was like telling the story and then you're supposed to like in parentheses it would be like now pass around the grapes and the first person to scream loses you know <laughs> like things like that which was just so fun that's funny so yeah, still in the Halloween spirit a little bit, even though yeah. this will come out a little bit later. But and yeah, should we talk about the cat who lived high? Yeah, and transition. That that's actually a nice transition because that old man jumped out the window just like <gasps> the guy who got murdered. And... Oh my god, you're right. Except <laughs> do we know high. that he jumped out? We're not sure. We don't know. It is so far said that he jumped out the window, but. 
but is it true is it not intense we only kind of know because this book's ending was confusing (laughs) yeah it's kind of crazy it was like just I I actually really liked the ending up until a very certain point then I was like oh oh you took this to a whole new level Lily and Jackson yeah like kind of piled on things I thought but I did go back to where we left off I think we left off around chapter nine and I think we had just left Quillerin angry with flat tires and in the parking lot where he never got the parking space that he was assigned. Oh, no. Yeah, no. I'm going to let you take chapter 10 because I actually didn't read it again. So I can't remember what happened. The next couple of things that happened. So um, is that where he meets the voluptuous when he wins it? Yes. Oh my god, there is always, like, I don't say temptress in the way of, like, at any point the other person's fault, because it's always Quillerin being like, it's I'm this Polly, look over there! You know, like, <laughs> just seems to always happen. So Quillerin is angry, his tires have been slashed, he's in the garage. The, so Chapter 9 had one of my least favorite phrases of this entire series so far, um, which regarded Winnie, Winifred, Quillerin's little lusty love not interest because he because she has no idea that he is lusting after her she's just like yeah. living her life <laughs> and she truly has no interest in him <laughs> zero interest she's just like a sexy model who's like yeah i'll be nice to you and have a great vocabulary and he's like oh my god he's like oh <laughs> oh pants dropping um oh my least favorite sentence oh yeah uh, if you would like to hear it is of course <laughs> In a state of transfiction, I don't know if I'm saying that right, transfiction, transfiction, mm-hmm. yeah, transfiction, Quillerin watched her go, breathing lustily into his mustache. No. <laughs> I just truly hated that. I was like, ah, yeah, gross. Yeah, uh, no, that's like, no. <laughs> no, uh-uh. But then Winnie is nice, like basically he sees her and then calls for her and is like, help, someone slashed my tires. And for some reason he can't leave because I think he thinks his, he, he, he's in the wrong spot. He like has her go in and be like, he, yeah, he is in the, he's in the wrong spot, but that's only because like someone was in his spot and he was like, oh, it must be a free for all. Oh, yeah. Right. And so he doesn't want to leave because he thinks if he leaves, then someone will immediately come and park in his actual spot. So he sends Winnie in and Winnie goes and gets the um, the maintenance guy who comes out and helps him. So what else happens in chapter nine is that Quillerin, I think we mentioned last time that Quillerin starts playing Scrabble. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. He plays Scrabble with the um, the sort of eccentric eccentric. I don't know that we'll ever know how to say that word, but we'll probably have to say it numerous more times. Eccentric? 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 Um, No, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. So he plays with the eccentric owner of the building, uh, Adelaide Plum, and he's like trying to butter her up so that she will sell the the Casablanca to the Klingenstrom Fund. But he's also been playing Scrabble with Coco because Coco likes to pull tiles apparently somehow like I don't know if he just, like, arranges them and then, like, on a table or something and then Coco kind of, like, swats at them and Quillerin grabs them and makes words from that. But there is some kind of, like, system in which Quillerin is actually playing Scrabble with Coco. I don't know if you understood that any better than I did. Um, yeah, I totally understand the rules of the game. <laughs> oh, do you? Tell me what Cat Scrabble is like. <clears throat> so it sounds like it's sort of, like, Bananagram style. Like, he puts all the letters down on 
I think they were face up on the table and Coco paws at them and I guess he picks like seven or ten or however many he wants to pick and he makes words with them and so out of the tiles that Coco picks the ones that Quillerin uses to make the word those are the points that he gets and then the leftover tiles are the points that Coco gets oh okay so we've got a cat scrabble expert here yeah um guys i'm so glad we know cat scrabble now because <laughs> it actually is really funny in the book like it's really cool to read yeah um, they have these little like scrabble sessions and meanwhile co- or yum yum sort of to our constant theory that yum yum just like doesn't really want to be involved in solving any of the murders and is like you guys can just go about your very business and leave me the fuck alone. She sleeps in a waterbed for most of this book. (laughs) Yeah, she doesn't make, like, any appearances. She truly does not. I feel like she has at least one moment to shine, though, because I feel like at least her book, she usually has one moment to shine, so maybe we'll come upon that later, but I also kind of forget. I know she, like, there was a moment where Coco wants to go on a walk, and so Quillerin, like, harnesses them up and is like, all right, you cats, let's go on a walk. And Coco's, like, ready to go, and Yum Yum just, like, deadweights him, mm-hmm. and it's so good. Yeah, I know that wet doodle. <laughs> the, the cat wet noodle. The cat there wet are noodle. a lot of really good, like, really accurate cat moments, because there's also a moment where Quillerin Qu- can't get them into a cat carrier. Yeah. Uh, even though, despite his best efforts, which is also great. Oh, but back to Cat Scrabble. So in chapter nine, we do get the, um, the, so we get Cat Scrabble, but we also get that during Cat Scrabble, the word hoax comes up and it added up to 14 points, apparently. And Quillerin congratulated himself. I'm like literally reading the end of the chapter here. <laughs> and Coco starts doing that, rrr, 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 like literally it's written R and then like 10 R's after it. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not really sure how to pronounce any of Coco's noises, to be honest. Yow, I feel like I know the best. Like there's one that's Y-O-W, and that I feel like I kind of understand. Yeah, but like, have you ever heard a cat say yow? You know, Franklin can actually kind of come close, but his is a little bit more like throaty than that, I feel like. Yeah. I feel like I'm describing wine. Like, we're describing, like, cat sounds. Like, oh, it was so robust and oaky. <laughs> um, but that's important, the word hoax, because it gets Quillerin's mustache a twitching. Yeah. Actually, um, wait, hang on for a second. I'm going to see if I can make Mushu make a noise that he always makes. Yes. Okay. Everybody's silence. <laughs> silence your cell phones. Keep your hands and arms inside the vehicle at all times. <gasps> Did you hear it? I I did, yeah. Yeah. That was it was like a funny little Yeah, that's his that's his surprise cry. That's like oh. when he's like sleeping or like not paying attention and then I touch him and he goes, Mart <laughs> That actually did have some R's in it. I feel like if you were to write that out. Yeah. That there would be some R's in it, but not quite the ten, eleven R's in a row. No, it's not really like sound. a not really like a rrr. It's more like a what? Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> <laughs> well, and this sound too, we had like in the other books that we've read, I've never seen Coco make this noise before. So I think part of the importance of it is that this is like a new sound Mm -hmm. and a new thing that he's doing yeah okay so chapter 10 what happens in chapter 10 okay let me let me do a flasher maybe maybe is isabel isabel the flasher right 
I, you know, I don't know. I do know here. So at the beginning of chapter 10, I do have written in the margins is Quill losing his hearing because there's this whole thing throughout the book where he like can't, he doesn't hear people. Right. He like, it's written really funny because it's written like someone will say something. And then in the, in the narration, it'll say, you know, Quiller and heard it sound like, and then it'll say what he heard it sound like. And then so many times Quillerin will say, spell it. So like make the person spell the word or the, usually the name that they just said. And yeah. so then they'll spell it out. I think it's kind of a running joke that like people in the city have funny names that he oh, like, right. you know, like he's hearing these names and he's like, oh, it sounds like this, but it couldn't possibly because that's not a name. And then that's he's true. like, spell it. And then they'll spell it. And like the joke is like, it really is what he heard it to be. Or it's spelled exactly how he heard it. He just, like, can't believe that it's a name because no one could <laughs> possibly have a name that's not, like, John and Frank. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is the chapter where um, one of the... Where Quill- Quiller and meets up with one of the Fluxion, the Daily Fluxion, um, I think a crime reporter... And the reporter wants to do a profile on Coco to, like, celebrate his greatness as a crime-solving cat. And Quillerin has, like, a little aside with Coco before he meets with him. And he's like, can you believe this? He's, like, talking to Coco. And he's like, do you believe this? This guy wants to do this for you. <laughs> and it sounded a little bit, like, derogatory to me. But Coco apparently reacts as, like, as apparently any good sleuth cat would. And is like, Marair, yeah, I don't want any publicity. And Quillerin's like, yeah, I don't think you should have any publicity. You got to stay under the radar. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they turn down that request. But he yeah. does go to the to the press club, I think, to eat. And I think actually this is where he meets Sasha Crispin Schmidt. And I'm actually really impressed that I just looked down and the name was right there because I was about to be like, oh, uh, that What's writer, your name? That What's your name? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, are you by any chance wearing the same microphone that you were wearing before? No, it's different. Oh no, does it sound different? Yeah, it, there's like a weird like scratchy noise in the background. Oh no! Yeah, I had um, uh, Apple headphones before and now I just, I got new ones because my other ones got bad. Oh, um, oh yeah, the- that, I don't know what just happened, but there was like I don't know. It sounds like you're like crinkling paper back there. <laughs> oh no! Into it. Is this better by any chance? Yeah, that's better. Okay. Yeah, so that becomes important. Sasha Crispin Schmidt, even though it doesn't seem important in the moment, mm-hmm. that becomes important later. <gasps> Buddy! Mushu's making an appearance. <laughs> Mushu! Wow, hello. You're invited into the podcast. What do you think about? Coco and Yum Yum. Mushu. Oh, oh. He's rubbing his face on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I think I hear purring, but I think I also hear lots of scraping. <laughs> yeah, no, that was him rubbing his face on the phone. Oh, buddy. Yes, he would oh. be absolutely horrified to know that like more than one person is going to hear him. <laughs> ah, that's true. He really would. We should really maybe like censor him out yeah. because this is maybe against his against his will. <laughs> it's definitely against his will. He is not a people person. <laughs> he also likes to fly under the radar like Coco. He totally likes to fly under the radar. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> um okay what else happens in 10 
Oh, do you know what else happens in 10? This is like, I'm like really not giving you guys much plot here, but a bunch of things happened in 10 and this one was um, like kind of ancillary things. But this one, remember a couple, I feel like it was probably a couple episodes back now. I had been like, I have a theory about Quillerin's mustache. And then I said something stupid and you were like, no, you mean it's like his tail. Like he's like a cat. And I was like, oh yeah, that's what I meant. Yes. Yeah. Um, this actually says it here. I'm on page 165 and it says, uh, let's see, I can read this little chat, this little bit here. Quillerin could not say why, but his hand went to his mustache. This luxuriant facial feature was notable not only for its size, but for its response to various stimuli. Yeah, I think you mean whiskers, not tail. Yes, sorry, I meant whiskers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I, I'm still getting it wrong, even though I initially said it and will forever be mad that you understand that better than I do. <laughs> but yeah, we actually got a couple in this part of the book, the second half, we get a couple like more insights into Quiller and we get that which I was like we're yeah we figured it out even though I clearly did not you did um but yeah that was like expressly said and then I think it's a few chapters from now but we do get oh yeah it is I think is that still Isabel it's like after Isabel flashes him yeah yeah she like calls him up or oh no they have their little like a laundromat rendezvous yes yeah we get the laundromat rendezvous and Quiller and like Tells us his whole backstory, like more than we've ever learned about Quillerin. Yeah, which to be fair is like maybe in the other books also. Like maybe that's that's a, true. That's a first book type. But Mushu, stop it. <laughs> He's headbutting. This, this podcast is just gonna be us being like, stop <laughs> it, stop it to our stop cats. It. Like, stop it. Trying to podcast but <laughs> being thwarted by our cats. Yeah, Mushu's a headbutter, so if you're not paying attention to him, he'll come <laughs> up and headbutt you. <laughs> oh, good. Well, I'm trying to. Oh, you know what? This is actually. So we do actually get the. Sorry, I think I may have been wrong, and I think the flashing actually did already happen because this is also the night of Quillerin doing the laundry, the night of his backstory, mm-hmm. and. Um, Sorry, everyone. I jumped the gun. And so there has been a little moment where Quillerin is flashed by one of the other uh, residents of the Casablanca Hotel or hotel of the Casablanca apartment building. And um, yeah, she like opens the door and is like wearing just a big coat or something. And then Quillerin's like, oh, I wonder if she's not wearing anything underneath. And then she says something like, like oh come down and and like she's trying to basically trying to seduce him and uh he says no as he usually in not the most he's polite on the surface but when we get his thoughts underneath we get the you know same old quiller in and then she yeah she opens her her coat and all we get is quillerine was right or something along (laughs) those lines which was like okay yeah, it took me, like, another couple paragraphs to, like, regroup and be like, oh, my God, he just got flashed. <laughs> <laughs> so that happens. And then it seems like really quickly after that, he actually runs into this woman again because they're neighbors, basically. And um, he, Quillerin, is getting ready to meet with Adelaide Plum again for their, um, so if you'll remember, at the end of their dinner date last time with Amberina, uh, now known as Amber. Adelaide was so taken with Quillerin and his mustache um, that he that she invites him to play Scrabble with him or with her. Oh Jesus! Um, 
so she invited him to go play Scrabble with her. Um, she has like a, a very nightly schedule of, of games that people play with to be of people that come play with her. And um, she invites Quiller in. So this is the night of the scheduled Scrabble match. And Quillerin is deciding that he is going to really dress up to really wow her because he's also going to bring up or try to bring up um, the idea of selling the Casablanca to him slash the Klingenschgund fund. So he goes down to the laundry room. And then do you want to tell Quill's seedy backstory? Not seedy. It's not seedy at all. It's just more all of it at the same time. I guess I mean like Quill's, do you want to tell Quill's condensed backstory? Yeah. So he, he meets up with Isabel in the laundry room and she kind of like saunters over and plops down and is like oh woe is me I'm having a terrible time in life which I mean to be fair it seems like she's having a rough time in life yeah she's like oh I just don't have any friends and Quillerin's immediate response was maybe you should get a cat yeah which is also fair maybe you should get a cat they're great yeah um she but she doesn't sound interested and they kind of get to talking and he's like listen i had a rough patch too i kind of know what you're going through i think it started did it start no it was like before his marriage ended because it sounds like he like his downward spiral was kind of what ended his marriage correct me if i'm wrong no, that sounds right to me, too. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounded like he was like maybe pretty heavy of an alcoholic at one point and, you know, had kind of like a, a downward turn and it ended his marriage, which then also just continued to spiral him into more downward turns. And then he turned his life around after he fell onto some subway tracks. Yeah, because I think he was drunk. And got pulled and... out just in time and yeah. decided to turn his life around, saw the light, and hasn't. That's why he doesn't drink anymore. And yeah. in all of the books, he sticks with his skunk water. Yeah, oh my god, I forgot that came up again. I actually forgot what skunk water is. I, I also forget what skunk water is. <laughs> Did we ever get an explanation like, for that? I know. Skunk water actually sounds like alcohol, which is really funny I, it does, to me. kind of, yeah. Either way, power to him, because he really has stayed on the wagon, as he has said numerous times throughout this book in particular. But yeah, it was kind of cool to get more of that backstory. And I still do think that we should go back and do, maybe if once we get a little farther into the series, but we should go back and do an origin story. And like it would be fun to read maybe like the very first one because I think Mm -hmm. the first two that we that we skipped were the ones where he actually gets Coco and Yum Yum so I'm actually kind of glad we did it that way because now we can like (gasps) reveal yeah the origins yeah also like is anyone really gonna care in the beginning when he gets Coco and Yum Yum like this is more of a big reveal afterwards Oh, yeah, because, I mean, I definitely wouldn't have, like, the story, I mean, granted, it would still be dramatic and falling into a uh, fucking subway train rail, but, I mean, yeah, it was, like, so much more interesting to get it after, like, having, like, sort of made fun of him slash loved his ridiculousness for most of these books, and then we get this backstory, and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so invested <laughs> He's a real now person. in knowing what happened to you. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that was super interesting. Uh, he also does finish his his laundry mm-hmm. poorly timed because during the conversation it just was like they're having a conversation and then it's like you know the conversation would have been like five minutes and then it's like and then the the dryer dinged and I was like no 
there's no way that would have been an hour and a half later <laughs> right yeah my dryer takes like three hours <laughs> yeah and then you have to put it back in because it's never actually dry oh oh my gosh tell me about it oh. i have okay so somebody needs to tell me if this is like a real thing that exists in other places <laughs> but i i moved into this apartment and it has a washer slash dryer like it's not stacked on top of each other they're not side by side they are one in the same machine you mean like it's actually the same machine like you don't move your clothes you don't move your clothes it is one in the same machine oh that is i've never seen that yeah that is v strange to me yeah but and every time i it doesn't mean it's yeah i don't know every time i hit dry it like sounds like the wash is going like it sounds like there's water running and i'm like there's no way my clothes are drying if it's pumping more water into there and then it ends and i open it up and i get like a face full of steam and my clothes are like sort of damp but then by the time it all cools down it's like mostly dry and i'm like okay but like i'd still rather just have a dryer (laughs) okay so let us know Write Julia a little snail mail letter. Yeah. Well, you could talk. You could talk to her on Instagram. Talk to She's me on, on Twitter, on Instagram. Lots of people have been friending me on Instagram. Oh, that's saying. nice. Yeah, I have lots of followers now, and by lots, I mean Your like friends. over a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> Julia did text me one day and said, "Oh my god, I have to step up my game. People are starting to follow I me. Know. <laughs> I need to start posting again. I feel like I'm such a like instagram bum i'm I'm kind of like a social media delinquent i guess is that the right <laughs> word for it <laughs> i mean you're just a hermit cat lady hermit i mean i think lady. that's what we all are and relate to yeah. we'd rather snuggle our cats than it's true yeah like worry about... you know it's it's nice that i'm getting like instagram followers but like if you really want to see the action like friend me on pokemon go <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first folks <laughs> oh no we've we've diverged (laughs) Um, so I actually do so okay so chapter 11 we do get to the um, it's still before Quillerin goes up to meet Adelaide for dinner like a bunch of things happen before then like he really packs his day sometimes and he does it all really last minute like he'll call someone and be like I have an hour can I come down and talk to you and they're like yeah of course come down which is like not how my life works. He um, takes his cat. This is when he takes Coco and Yum Yum or attempts to take Yum Yum on a walk around the building. So did we talk about last time how so Coco has been sleuthing out. He found the blood stain mm-hmm. on the floor and I'm not sure when it is, but he definitely also finds, I think maybe it's in the next chapter, but coming up, he does find um, the, uh, supposed suicide note or confession. Uh, uh, I think that's a couple chapters from now. This one is it okay? Yeah, this walk is when he finds. I think when they go up or like out on the balcony and he like looks down or like Coco looks down like right where the jumper, what the jumping was supposed to have happened. Yeah, so that's he right. like looks down and is like, "That's the spot," and goes and tries to like talk to this guy who was the one who ended up being the guy who slashed his tires and whose like spot he was parked in. Yes, no, that's right. That actually is. I missed that part because that actually is earlier in chapter eleven when Quillerin is like sort of testily getting the name of the guy who is in the spot next to him. And kind of confirms that it's this one guy. And then when he actually goes to that guy's house, 
And it's this like, or to his apartment. It's this great. It's written really funny. It's like no one had ever called Quillerin a coward, but he knew when to bow out or like whatever it was. Because basically, the guy comes to the Quillerin like talks a big game before the guy opens the door of being like Quillerin really, you know, thought he knew how to talk to, you know, really get confessions out of people. Like he started out this way, and then he said these things, and then he tried to be this way, and then the guy opens the door, and he's like huge and like outweighs Quillerin by like 100 pounds or like huge in the sense of like muscly and like angry like he's also got like a bad temperament too and so Quillerin just is like like totally lies and then ducks out he like has every intention of confronting him and being like you slashed my tires and instead he's like um your car lights are on and like runs away which is so good and then they have that awkward moment where they're actually like standing waiting for the elevator together because then the guy is like grumble grumble i'll go check my light (laughs) or whatever so then they like actually have to wait for the elevator together which is hysterical so then it's right after that you're right that they take the walk yum yum dead weights quillerin and will not let him (laughs) anywhere i mean she actually does have the harness on because then the like my maybe my favorite part of the book was that when they come back in from their walk, Yum Yum just doesn't even care that she has the harness on and she's back asleep on the waterbed. <laughs> but yeah, you're totally right. You're right that this walk they like walk out onto apparently Quillerin in this uh this fancy penthouse apartment that he has. Uh there's a big balcony. And so he and Coco go for a walk just like around the balcony. And um I think Coco's actually walking on the like the edge like the rail of it to me yeah. at one point coco looks down and um quiller and realizes that that would have been the exact spot where ross rasmus the supposed murderer of diane diane bessinger mm-hmm. the artist would have jumped from that spot on the balcony and so he is like oh coco yet again you're the greatest and <laughs> you know then they look down yeah and um, then somehow they do know just from the story that they've been told uh, previously about the whole situation that Ross Rasmus's body had fallen on uh, a tenant's car. And so that's when Quillerin is like, if this is the spot, then we can find out whose car it fell on, the body fell on. And so they look down and after some like sort of digging, I think Quillerin unearths that it is actually... Yasbro, I think Yasbro is the name of the the big sort of meathead guy that scared Quillerin earlier. Mm. So it does turn out to be the same guy. Yeah. Oh, that was such a good one. <laughs> that was so good. Perfect timing, Moosh. That's perfect timing. Yeah, I'm trying to even figure out what's next. Uh, I think we we get a little background into Adeline's story. I think. Oh, yeah, through, you're right, through Mary Duckworth. Oh, that was a good one, too. <laughs> Man, Mushu, giving us all sorts of cries. Um, so, yes, so we get, okay, so Quillerin, real quick, he literally only, I think, has an hour before his dinner, and he goes to Mary Duckworth's, mm-hmm. because she is one of the sisters, I believe, that owns that, um, that used to own, like, a vintage shop, and now she owns, like, a really fancy vintage shop. She's part of the group Sock that has gotten Quiller and interested in the Casablanca and is um, sort of relaying information. So, yeah, is this where we get the backstory that her Adelaide's father family went sort of went bankrupt at one point? And then there's like 
a weird rumored story that she like somehow sold her fiance. Yeah, I think this is where we get like a little hint of that. I don't know if the full story comes out, but I think that's sort of where we get the like, oh, poor Adeline. She was like, was living the high life and then like these tragic things happened and her fiance off <laughs> which should nor- normal yeah, casually like oh yeah can't get married because you gotta you know auction your fiance to the highest bidder yeah and it's like kind of we're not sure well mary duckworth who's telling the story is not sure if that was Adelaide's choice. It's sort of made to seem like a sort of a, a calculated sacrifice on her part of like, you know, she knew her family was going under and she did it to save the Casablanca because she loved it so much. There's also, I think we may have mentioned this in the first episode of this series, but she's actually never really, I don't know if it's never, but she's very much, she's never left the the apartment building. Or she has left, but only for a really brief time period. She doesn't really leave the apartment yeah. um, ever, if at all. And it kind of sounds like from the stories that you get of her later on, that's like maybe an, her as an older person type of development. Like, it sounds like when she was younger, she was like one of those like really spoiled rich girls who was like off to Paris, like all the yeah, true, and, like jet setting and you know living the the life just like in the lap of luxury before her family obviously like lost their money somehow and kind of went bankrupt and whatever whatever was that ever explained or they just kind of like squandered it no I don't think it was squandered I think it was just during that time where everyone was losing money oh yeah oh yeah that makes sense they did say it was in like the late 20s huh yeah I think it was during the depression gotcha um, because Quillerin actually in a few chapters does start up his uh, interviews of old timers again, and I'm directly quoting there. <laughs> um, and uh, a few of them do, it does seem like that is sort of a trend too, that, mm. um, and actually later, one of them actually sort of helps Quillerin seal the, the whole mystery. Uh, in the meantime, who else does he, there are a couple other people that he interviews that are older, and um, he gets similar sort of stories from them mm-hmm. um so so up to so basically he also went at mary duckworth he buys a little like a little pillbox um that he takes up to her to adelaide to impress her and she is very impressed and there's this whole thing too of actually the suit that Quillerin hemmed and hawed about buying for <laughs> iris cobb's funeral makes another appearance he wears it apparently he spices it up with what does he spice it up with it said something like a, else like a he was, tie or something like yeah that. it was something else i don't know but then, how do you spice up menswear yeah he um but he wears it to mary duckworth's and then back and he's like i should wear suits more often because apparently he's turned on some heads yeah apparently everyone's like much nicer to him which i I guess if you're like to be fair like if you're a giant man with a mustache who's like a little shabbily dressed in like that part of town and like specifically in that type of like apartment setting i can see some of those women being a, a little bit like cautious oh yeah i mean i definitely don't go out of my way to immediately say hi to giant men with mustaches <laughs> um yeah but like maybe some of those older ladies saw him in a suit and was like oh what a nice 
businessman. I don't know. Exactly what's happening. (laughs) (laughs) It probably changes his appearance enough that he's like less terrifying. (laughs) Well, well, there's also the thing too where he Quillerin is kind of like. I actually did kind of like this a little bit. Like, so he's been in Moose County for so long that every time he goes to like the press club or um, the the Daily Flexion or all of his old haunts, Mm -hmm. he makes a point to be like everyone was dressed, you know super lavishly or very like professionally and he like knows this like it's in the writing too it's like the way that it's written is like Quiller knew that everyone would be dressed up a certain way so he purposefully wears like really moose county type like he wears flannel at one point there were like a bunch of really cool phrases that i wish i had written down that were just like um you know basically were just the equivalent of him wearing like a lumberjack attire like he shows up and everyone's like what are you wearing everyone comments on it too they're like wow you've really taken to the country yeah so yeah basically i i kind of pictured him as like like my normal like Peace Corps outfit was like a pair of jeans, some boots, and like a really ratty old like Nautica sweater from like five, ten years ago. <laughs> oh, I was gonna say more than that. Yeah. <laughs> and that's from when you worked at Nautica. Ten years ago. <laughs> Oh, yeah closer oh, to the 10 side probably oh, i mean it's still a nice sweater i actually passed that off to someone and he was like thrilled about it he was like um, is not... this a men's sweater from nautica and i was like yeah i'm sad to lose it <laughs> i'm not questioning the quality i'm questioning the time frame you gave us <laughs> <laughs> you should have kept it because then you could have been quillering for halloween oh my god julia uh, what was i thinking oh my god next year we really should be cocoa and yum yum that's all we need to do with our lives yeah okay starting now starting now (laughs) oh my gosh can we dress sleep on a waterbed yeah (laughs) i was gonna say we each have three cats we can dress them up as quiller and cocoa and yum yum (laughs) oh okay that's probably more so what we should do yep who's gonna be your quiller in i know mine (laughs) Oh, yeah, definitely Mushu. Yeah, for sure. Oh, I don't know. Maybe Murphy, because she's such a biatch. Yeah, but she's, she would also be like a, a yum-yum, because she's kind of like a princess. That's true. She is such a princess. Franklin would probably be a good... Although, we'll see how we'll see how Shadow grows yeah, up. That's true. Might Shadow's, be a good... Shadow's got a year. He could develop quite the quiller and curmudgeonly personality. I thought you were going to say he could he could grow quite a mustache, because he could. <laughs> he could grow quite a mustache. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I, so... think, I think for my cats, Ari would have to be Coco, and Shuni would have to be Yum Yum. Ari would have to be... Yes, I agree, because Ari is... Very smart. <laughs> yeah, Ari is hands down the smartest of my cats. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I definitely like Chuni as Yum Yum. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, he mind. sleeps all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Okay, so then Quillerin goes to his dinner. Um, he gets this little juicy gossip from Mary Duckworth. He goes to dinner with Adelaide, has a lovely time, and then there, even though there is a very creepy butler man there, which I think we may have talked about in the first episode, and then Quillerin pushes the issue too hard, and he, right at dessert, he um, brings up the subject of buying. He hasn't done this yet uh, to her and brings up the subject of the Klingage Gun Fund potentially buying the apartment building. And she just clams right up and does not want to talk about it. There's even a point where you kind of think maybe she doesn't fully understand what he's asking. 
that maybe I don't know that they go into her having like any sort of dementia or Alzheimer's, but um... I mean, it doesn't seem like she has like Alzheimer's or dementia or anything like that. It kind of just seems like she has like denial. (laughs) Yeah, that's (laughs) that's a good point. And, you know, that she has, like, aged and so has her apartment complex and, like, the yeah. world has changed. Because, I mean, she she really doesn't leave her apartment at all. So when Quillerin broaches this subject, he's like, I know you don't want to hear it, but, like, your apartment's kind of in ruins. And she's like, what? And yeah. then I think that's when she sort of like glazes over and is like, I'm not hearing it and I will not respond to it. That's true. Oh my God, she Lucille Bluth's a little bit. <laughs> she is a little bit. I mean, she's not like mean like Lucille Bluth, but she is kind of like living in her own world penthouse type Lucille yeah. Bluth. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Like how much is milk? $12? Yeah. <laughs> when was the last time you went to a store? <laughs> <laughs> So I guess after that, we do get, um, so Sasha Barron-Cohen, no, I forget, I just don't have her last name in front of me like I did earlier. Um, Oh, the reporter. Yeah, the reporter. Like, I think it's here that we do get the Rampage. It turns out she is a journalist for the Rampage, which is the competitor of the Fluxion, which, of course, Quillerin hates. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And everyone who has sense in this book hates because we're very much on, you know team Fluxion here mm-hmm. um that uh she has written an article sort of like a gossip column for the rampage being like and jim quillerin newly minted millionaire is staying in the casablanca what do you think he's here for certainly not the you know renovated new uh, building because it's not new or renovated <laughs> xoxo yeah 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 literally and then he's like quillerin's huffing into his mustache and he's mad because he was trying to keep it under wrap and then there is this sort of like last book we got xyz enterprises this one we have this other group run by a family named the penimans they're also quillerin is suspicious very suspicious of them because they're also potentially trying to buy the casablanca but everyone knows that they're going to tear it down if they get it right so I think that kind of comes up to around here as well. That we get like a little more backstory of that, a little more like suspicion. Um, oh, here is where we get. So moving on, we this is where we get. There's a lot of Coco running around in this part here. He like runs to the back room, I think in the library. And Quillerin actually finds a, like, through, with I think, like, a black light, and he, like, tears off part of the wallpaper. Mm-hmm. And apparently the building people have done a very shoddy job of covering up the confession slash suicide note. And it just says, forgive me, Diane, but Diane is spelled wrong. Like, it was initially what? in that obituary because someone, like, or no. Oh, there yeah. Was some, yeah. Right? Uh, yeah, right, where it was spelled, like, three different ways. Oh, and then we get, so we actually skip to, I said 13, but that is JK because there is no chapter 13 in this book. Just like there is no floor 13. So I actually wrote, LOL, yes, Lillian Jackson Braun, that is great. I really liked that. Yeah, that was a good little touch. Yeah, so like we go from chapter 12 to chapter 14 and there's a little author's note right at the beginning of chapter 14 and it says, author's note, there is no chapter 13 in this book, which I loved. I thought that was so great. So yeah, from there, let's see, where do we go from there? Uh, from there we get a little, we have his little tease with Polly about picking up a lady. Quillerin. I actually forget that part. 
Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. It's just another one of those, like, Quillerin moments where I'm like, come on, Quillerin, stop being an asshole. <laughs> he is. There are definitely numerous Quillerin asshole moments in this book. Yeah. The, the night before, he had actually met up with some other, like, artist that he had known from before. But she's, like, this 80-year-old woman. And he was like, yeah, come to my apartment and, like, look at the art there. And so when he talked to Polly the next night, she was like, oh, what have you been up to? And he's like, oh, I just, you know, picked up a woman and took her home for a drink. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, did a little, like, his little tease of, like like making her jealous and I was like yeah. you know or you could just not be a big old jerk uh, you really could not but he truly can't not <laughs> he, he can't help himself <laughs> no he can't yeah oh actually yeah. this is where we get introduced to Charlotte and her friend Oh, yes. yes. So I, I don't remember if we actually met Charlotte beforehand. We were kind of introduced to her like we were. And I was like, wait, who is this? Well, she was from, I don't remember exactly, but she was actually in The Cat Who Saw Red. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Because it was Charlotte Roop. And I just remember that name. But I don't remember exactly who she was from oh, The Cat Who Saw Red. But he mentions numerous times about how, like, she was such a you know basically he was being like she had stick up her ass and like I think she was the one that like he didn't interact with much but she always was like disapproving Mm. you know but Mm -hmm. apparently all of that changes if you have a man in your life because (laughs) that is what Quillerin thinks because apparently she is very different in this one and Quillerin's like but the rumor is she has a man in her life oh yeah so I think this is where we meet her man oh yes um what's his name Dun Dunwoody Dunwoody yeah is that in the elevator when they're yeah so they meet up in the elevator and Quillerin's like oh this is your guy and apparently he's like not very exciting he's like much younger which i think is what quillerin like first notices and then he has like an ear patch which i didn't know was a thing yeah that they just said that as if it was as well known as an eye patch and (laughs) not in my mind but yeah i i don't think i understood it because when it said ear patch i assumed like oh like a like a patch on his ear like maybe he had an injury but I think it it actually is like an eye patch but like for I think it's like a permanent yeah thing that he's so I yeah I saw this person in my mind and then the description later I was like oh wait that's no I was so wrong (laughs) (laughs) yes no agreed it's not you're right at first it's in the first meeting it sounded like he had an ear wound but but he later on did not have an ear wound he just did not have an ear Yes, I believe, yes, I yeah. believe so. But yeah, so I think those are the kind of the three things that Quillerin notices right off the bat. Like he's much younger, he has an ear patch, and then he's just like not a very exciting person. Yeah, and you know who else he meets, which is also becomes important. I just found his name, Randy Jupiter, who is the jogger. So Quillerin meets a jogger. It's like the first person he meets when he moves into mm. the Casablanca. Mm-hmm. It's this jogger, and he's like just really friendly and like helps Quiller in with a couple boxes um and then he see, he keeps seeing him around like he's always around just before this he runs into him at the plaza hotel which is also somewhere apparently he used to dine and is no longer as cool as it used to be as is the theme with like everything because there's that great part at the end where Quillard was just like Ugh, why am I even here anymore nothing's like it used to be everything's lame and I don't like anyone anymore <laughs> 
So, but Randy is someone that he meets at the plaza because because Randy is a bartender at the plaza. Mm-hmm. Quiller like really hits it off with him and is like, "This guy, he's a real stand up guy. I don't really like him." And apparently, Randy has a mustache too because there's a line that was mm-hmm. like, "Quiller had always respected a mustache. Don't you think men with mustaches just..." Like end up, you know, hanging out with each other or something like that. Yeah, no, that I thought that was funny because it was very like like people get together with like people. And it goes on yeah. for like a, like a sentence or two. It's like men with beards get together with bearded men, and like <laughs> men with long hair get to, and we're like, okay, we get it. <laughs> yeah, it goes on for so long. It's so silly. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, but yeah, men with mustaches like and respect other men with mustaches. <laughs> So a mustache friendship is born mm-hmm. of Quillerin and Randy Jupiter. And uh, so they get introduced in this, or they you know, already know each other, but they like talk. And um, Quillerin finds out that Randy likes jazz music, as mm-hmm. Quillerin does. And so they make a date uh, in the future to have a little, a little bro hangout where they listen to jazz music together. But, so that's the end of 14, but into 15... Coco has started acting weird. Um, I don't know that it really says how he was acting weird, but there's a line here. Quillerin should have known that Coco's distracted demeanor was the countdown before the blast off. (laughs) (laughs) Because what ends up happening, so Quillerin goes to, this all came out of such left field for me and I truly it feels like a fever dream that I'm just gonna kind of forget this like weird dark room party yeah the way they (laughs) described this room I was like this isn't real this is like the black lodge in Twin Peaks like you're just (laughs) describing like a giant room with like weird box tables and like yeah it's like two couches up against a wall and like a piece of glass on like cinder blocks for a table (laughs) and then so like all of strange. a sudden Winnie Winfoot is there and you're like what is this yeah people literally it feels like a play like people are just stepping in stepping out like moving along singing at different points like leaving yeah um I don't think we get really anything out of this except that Quillerin is like kind of in love with Winnie again right. and then Winnie is just like oh hi oh goodbye she's there for literally one drink she like downs a drink and then leaves mm-hmm. and then I don't know how Quillerin knows this, but it's another maybe moment where Lillian Jackson Brown could have written a few more sentences in between <laughs> things because all of a sudden Quillerin is jumping up and running out and being like, I gotta go. It was his mustache. Oh, was it? No, I don't mustache? know. Oh, <laughs> I was like, oh my God, did they actually say that? No, uh, but probably. I don't know. What else could it be? That's true. His little whiskers were twitching mm-hmm. with suspicion. Twitching with suspicion. Twitching with suspicion. So basically, he runs back to his apartment and he gets there and there is water everywhere. Coco. Coco. Well, at first, he thinks it's a waterbed because that was oh, my first thought. Yeah. Like, he's letting yum, a cat yum. sleep on a waterbed. <laughs> Right. Seems like a terrible idea. But then it does end up being Coco, who apparently, this is a really good visual. Lily Jackson Broad does do really great visuals of like cats in like in the midst of something, like when Coco walked out of the elevator with the mouse and mm-hmm. um, the cat who knew Shakespeare. So basically, this is he, Quillerin, turns into the bathroom and Coco is just like sitting on the top of the toilet and has apparently like fucked with the toilet so that like everything is just like gushing. Coco. Coco, which does actually factor in 
in a very interesting way later. <laughs> Does <Not> it? <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So then we get to 16. Mm-hmm. Quillerin, we get like a little glimpse into Quillerin's disciplinary behavior in that he does not. And he thinks that it is just pointless. And he's like, actually, it is kind of interesting because he thinks that he hasn't spent enough time with the cats. Mm-hmm. So he's like, okay, uh, it's Sunday. We'll hang out together. Sorry, we haven't been seeing much of each other. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah um, he really is not the disciplinarian. He's like, this is no. my fault. <laughs> Yeah, he really is. He's like, oh. Which, I mean, to be fair, like, they do say cats don't understand when you discipline them because they can't make the link between, like, their action and their discipline. So it probably is beneficial for him to just, like, spend more time with them to prevent future incidences. True. Well, he ends up not spending time with them, though. (laughs) But no, he does spend time with them. He spends all Sunday with them. Oh, that's true. Yeah, he. Th- that's a good point. I was thinking it went and it, it went right into this next thing, which is that he gets a call from Isabel again, who mm-hmm. is trying really hard to get him to come to dinner. Oh, right. Is like again trying to be like, come hang out with me. I don't have any friends. Come have dinner. And Quillerin is just politely being like, no, thank you. I have a lot of work to do. Mm-hmm. Instead of being like, I'm just hanging out with my cats. Yeah. But then she actually starts threatening to jump off the roof of the building. Which he's he like, not take seriously fast enough. No, <laughs> in my he opinion. didn't. Uh-uh. No, he did not. Because he definitely could have made a move a little faster than yeah. he did. Although, to give him credit, he did eventually make some moves. And he did. You know, called to have the... I mean, he called Mrs. Turtle, right? He called the front desk and was like, go help her. I have her on the line. And then... Yeah. Which, like, kind of backfires on him. It does. Because then he goes to the roof to be like, I'm gonna head her off. Because she had, like, hung up by the time he came back. Yeah. But then Mrs. Turtle also made some moves to go lock the door to the roof so that no one could get up there. Unfortunately, Quillerin got locked out. He did. And you know when he actually did start making a move is when Isabel threatened to jump off the roof with her cat. With her cat. Oh yeah, that's right. Ugh. I forgot. Because Quillerin kept being like tragedy. I know. Because Quillerin kept being like, well, don't you love Sweetie Pie? I just saw you with your cat. And Isabel is like, I'm going to jump off the building with Sweetie Pie. No. Clarence like, oh, shit. So I think that's when he starts making moves. It actually never really goes back to... There's a lot of things that don't get followed up on in this book. Yeah. So because Isabel just kind of gets left. Like, we literally don't even know where she ends up after that. I think it was just supposed to go into a culminating scene later. But I think Clarence being on the roof is also sort of a clue that he notices that there's a skylight that would have looked down directly into the building, into his apartment, actually, mm-hmm. um, and, and would have been given anyone on the roof that time, like a perfect view of the murder. Yeah. So I think that are literary device e reason for that. But yeah, it is a little sad because we don't hear what happens to Isabel. So I think the only other thing, like before one of the big scenes, I mean, there are just a few things in between, like he meets up with Robert Mouse again, who now goes by Roberto. Mm. 
and that is kind of a little bit of a useless thing because he's trying to he's still last ditch like he still is kind of like I don't think this is going to work out the clingage going fund buying the Casablanca because mm-hmm. she's not going to sell to them but right. he's still trying to get sort of influential people on his side including Roberto but then he also the, the other thing he does with Roberto is that he kind of lays out this idea that Quilleran has sort of become sort of obsessed with the idea that um, Diane was not or sorry that Diane was murdered but also that Ross Rasmus was murdered and framed for Diane's murder right because I think by this point he's figured out that the note that was written supposedly by Ross on the wall as a suicide note was not actually written by Ross because Ross had spelled her name correctly under different circumstances they were actually lovers too Diane and Ross it comes out around this time too and um, Ross had given Diane like a bracelet or something. There was something that he had written. Yeah, something to her. engraved, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it was a bracelet, maybe that spelled her name correctly. And it also apparently the the way that his name was signed on the wall was like his full like professional artist name because as you'll remember this was an artist who paints uh, mushrooms and knives <laughs> together mushrooms and knives that is his specialty <laughs> yep but Quillerin notices that any other time that Ross has signed something that Quillerin has seen it's always been like really just rr or just Ross or like just a really quick scribble as opposed yeah. to the suicide note which was ross like rasmus like signature yeah yeah exactly so quillen was kind of laying out all of these like he was also being like you know if there's anything you can do to help with the like the buying of the building it's not looking good and roberto's like no no i can't help and then so quillen also kind of lays out his like murder thesis to roberto and is like here's what i think happened Oh yeah, is asking him to like kind of back him up in that too and he's like I'm going to talk to my friend in homicide and like I'm going to do all these things and Roberto's also kind of like Mary and I'm going to get involved yeah (laughs) so I feel like it was kind of just a way to like say all of that out loud Mm -hmm. Um, oh are are we at the chapter yet where he's (gasps) like making all these promises that he cannot keep yes this chapter was actually I was really tense reading this chapter to be honest (laughs) Yeah, it was a good one. It was was well done. Yeah, so chapter 18 is the chapter we get the throwback to the beginning where we think that Quillerin has died. Mm -hmm. And um, throughout it, uh, you know, it's kind of just going along. He makes a vet appointment for the cats because he's worried about their weird behavior. And then, like, right after it, it says, it was a promise Quillerin was destined not to keep. Which I have to admit, it really uh, amped my little uh, blood pressure up. Yeah, amped the suspense. Yeah, it's like just like a, oh, it's coming, it's coming. But if you'll notice, there were a couple things I did notice too. So it was that there was one other thing, maybe two other things I think that were you know like Quillerin wasn't going to keep that appointment. But then there was one appointment that Quiller it didn't say he wouldn't keep. Ooh. which was dun 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 the jazz date with <gasps> randy jupiter the jazz date. <laughs> so he actually does go out earlier in the day uh, because he is taking all of his meals out because as we know quilleran cannot cook <laughs> or right. feed himself yep so he goes out for breakfast that morning um before all of these little tense little 
clues we get. Um, so he goes out for breakfast at the Plaza Hotel and happens to run into Randy, Jupiter. Mm-hmm. And he harkens back to, oh, shoot, I should have said one other thing. So there was one other thing we should probably tell you before we head into this last little bit here. And that is that one of the important old timer interviews that Quillerin does uh, is with the woman who comes to clean his house. Hasn't shown up this entire book, yeah. and then all of a sudden she's like, I'm here to clean. It's like, wh- like he's been here for weeks. <laughs> I know. She's like the fucking Dingleberry interview of <laughs> the cat who knew Shakespeare. It's like, here's an old person to really bring it all home. I, I mean, I actually don't hate that it's like an old person for le- from like telling old-timey secrets that is also the person who like kind of brings it all home yeah. for him, but it does, all it always comes. Like nowhere. Yes, agreed. It's like so far out of left field that you're like, you could have connected this a little bit better for yeah. me. Yeah. I mean, her name did come up earlier in the book when Quillerin was like, was there anyone around at this time? And they were like, oh, yeah, this lady. That's right. Oh, I actually forgot that. You're right. You're totally right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I yeah. wouldn't have connected it other than like, I don't, I don't know why it stuck. Like the name didn't stick in my brain. It was just like, I read the part where she was like oh yeah I was you know I was there back in the day and I was like oh she must have been that one old lady that they were talking about that one time like 10 chapters ago (laughs) (laughs) you know I also question the um the the way that this apartment building runs because the building manager is the one who keeps asking Quiller and if he wants someone to come clean his building or clean his apartment. Mm-hmm. And he says, yeah, sure. And then it's now that they send someone up. But apparently it's like, it's the old people in the building who are like working to make an extra few bucks who are the people who are cleaning the, the apartments, which I just find so sad because I'm like, no, you should be retired you and be not having to clean fine. fucking Quillerin's apartment. Yeah. But anyway, so this lovely lady comes in and cleans Quillard's apartment for him. And then she actually has a lot more information about Adelaide's past and about the Penamin group, just that they're like a little shadier than they seem. And then it also turns out that Adelaide, whereas before... Shadier than she seems. Yeah, yeah. Well, because wasn't it also her dad? Because it also sounded like they were all shady. Yeah, true. The whole the whole thing, which just goes into Quillerin's like grumbliness about being down there and like, why am I trying to save this terrible place? That's true. Because I think it happens right here that he's like, why the fuck am I still here? Yeah. Yeah. Like, this is awful. I want to go back to Moose County. And also this like lovely woman that he's talking to is from Moose County and he's like getting yeah. a stomach from her accent. And that's he's, right. Like, and she's like chipmunk. Yeah. That's where, right. Whatever town that is. <laughs> Which yeah, we should point out, yes, she is from Chipmunk, and then it also comes up that something else uh that she talks about happens in Burr Moose County, which is literally just B R R R R R. Um, so yeah, so that is that. So this interview happens. It does turn out that maybe her Adelaide's father had forced her to like sell this fiance. I'm still kind of unclear how this is even like a threat or a thing that was able to happen. Cause like, so I think it's one of those things where like, he was like the best looking out of the group and everyone was like, Ooh, this guy's so sexy. Like, mm, what a catch. But he was not part of the like wealthy part of the community. And so it was, like, he got Adelaide's attention, and they, like, started dating 
and like he maybe didn't have that much of a choice in like who he married and what he did because he didn't have the money or the like influence and so when she was like I can't marry you I sold you he was had to be like I guess okay sure yeah I like sold the opportunity to like right to like step off yeah because I mean it I we don't know him or like haven't met him so we can't speak to his character but I'm assuming that like he was kind of in those circles to marry up that's a good point that maybe it was like more social climbing than it you know may have seemed because you're right it doesn't go into him really at all um but what we also get from this lovely poor old woman who was cleaning Quillerin's house aside from the old-timey mystery is that she also happens to mention that she heard on the radio in the morning that there were three people shot at the plaza hotel that morning or over the weekend and that Mm -hmm. there was also a man shot in his car while driving on the freeway that then burst into flames <laughs> which as you will recall which is not funny but <laughs> it's not funny but it is exactly the but way that it's... we are told Quillerin died earlier in the yes. book so yep. it's a little suspicious because she even says it kind of in the same exact way that we hear it from you know earlier in the book we hear you know that report from the news and from Arch Riker and from Polly and then we hear it again from this woman which actually I did kind of love that that like the way that she says it to Quillerin when it's supposed to be Quillerin's death and uh, yeah so that was a really good twist Um, so Quillerin then goes down to get his car to take the cats to the vet and it turns out that his car has been stolen. The purple plum. The purple plum, which has been called the purple plum throughout this book. <laughs> we really should have mentioned that earlier, but it is very funny. <laughs> I'm assuming it's purple. <laughs> I would assume so. If not, it would be very strange that it was being called the purple plum. And maybe it's round? We don't oh, know that's true. Maybe it is. <laughs> Maybe it's literally just like a like a Willy Wonka style car that's like rolling around. <laughs> like the Oscar Mayer Wiener van. Yeah. Like a plum. <laughs> just a giant plum. <laughs> the cats love it. They feel very secure in it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would be tempted to steal that too. But yeah. So yeah, so someone has stolen Quillerin's car, which obviously gives us a reason to think that it is actually not Quillerin who is killed in um in the car shooting later that is you know obviously registered under his name but now not most likely not him mm-hmm. um and so Quillerin just goes on his way and then goes to the plaza hotel to talk to randy so that's where we get another Quillerin and randy friendship moment and uh they Quillerin brings up what he just heard about the because obviously he's very interested in true crime and he's noticing that like the Fluxion hasn't reported on these three deaths at the Plaza Hotel or the car shooting but the Peniman, Guzman and Flood, um, the like XYZ Enterprises-ish bad company in this one does own the Rampage and the morning news station that that woman the old cleaner woman listened to so Quillerin is like oh leave it to them to like you know, report shoddily before they have all the information, like, blah, blah, blah. So he goes to the Plaza Hotel to ask Randy about the murders. And Randy's like, uh, I can't really talk now. Let's talk later. And meanwhile, he's asked a couple other people in the hotel. And they're all like, what? No, I don't know what you're talking about. So then I think the next thing, do we just go straight to Quillerin's? 
it seemed like there were a lot of leaps to me. I couldn't tell if I was skimming too fast, but I also think I wasn't missing things. Like, I don't know that I ever really got a connection when Quillerin started suspecting, spoiler alert, Randy, Jupiter. <laughs> what? Um, yeah, so it was actually, we we did skip a part, and I don't, it's not, like, that important, but it's, like, kind of important. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> so we actually found out that Diane had a cat. Oh, that's right. Um, a Persian name. Yeah, Vincent. Vincent. Oh, name. Vincent. Yes. Sorry, you're looking for the name. Yes, I Vincent, name. <laughs> which I loved. Such a good name. Yeah, that's a good name. Yeah. So he was like, "Well, where'd the cat go? Maybe the cat saw something," which is like such a Quillerin thing to think. Oh, I was so hoping that Quillerin was going to take Vincent the cat, the Persian cat, to like a cat psychic and be like, "Tell right. me everything about or the murder like, you witnessed." Bring Coco to Vincent. And be yeah. Like, Translate for me. <laughs> Spell it in Scrabble tiles for me, cats. <laughs> yeah, but he goes. He actually does go to visit Vincent, not to like hang out with Vincent, but (laughs) this cat ended up at Diane's ex-husband's art gallery. Right. And so we had actually been to the art gallery before at some point, but it was like a very unimportant visit and I'm not sure we even covered it. But Yeah, it was just really quick. Yeah, I think it was just for a gallery opening. And oh, that's actually where he ran into the woman that he then teases Polly about to tie it back in. Yeah. But yeah, so he goes there again to talk to the husband for a second time and was like, hey, so I have these like sneaking suspicions. And the husband's like, oh, no, do you think I did it? Because I yeah. didn't. <laughs> and Quillerin is a better detective than that. He does assure the husband that he knows he is innocent. Yeah, that was kind of a funny little trope, too, because, you know, obviously there is such a thing of like, oh, the hus- it's always the husband, it's always the ex-husband, you always look there first. Mm-hmm. And... Which I think that's why Quillerin, like, went there in the beginning. Yes, I think so, too, and he rules him out pretty quickly. And right. so... it's I mean, because he had, like, a cocktail party or something at the time of the murder. Yeah, he definitely has an alibi. He also, like, the it's pretty well known, too, I think that, I mean, even though there were rumors that the divorce wasn't amicable, it actually was an amicable amicable divorce and they actually for years had been in business together afterwards too mm-hmm. yeah so I think the husband was pretty like actually had nothing to do with anything yeah but um, but yeah, also so- was complaining about it. I love that he was complaining about it even though it's like well yeah he, always the ex-husband gets looked into and he's kind of right. like oh everyone thinks like, I did no, it everyone's <laughs> gonna think I did it no yeah <laughs> I didn't. But yeah, Quillerin goes there. He makes a quick pit stop, I think, in the midst of all of his other, you know, goings on stuff, whatever he's doing. And he, to get some more information about the cocktail party that was happening at the time of the murder. And so he asked the husband, like... Can you describe the people who were there who left That's early, right. who stayed longer? Yes. So the husband gives kind of like a little brief account of like, well, these people left, but these people stayed. And like this guy, I can't remember like who or like all. No, it was like all these people were like playing Scrabble together. And Quillerin was like, so who's the fourth guy in that? And so he gets like a, a description of like, I, I actually don't know what the like connection was that Quillerin was looking for, but he like asked for a description for a couple of people and then was like, I knew it and left. 
Oh, so he finds, okay, so he kind of puts it together then. But yeah, I think he kind of gets the information that he's looking for and gets some like confirmation from the guest list at this cocktail party. Got it. So then he does go into, because I think I must have read too fast past that part, because then I think, I thought that he had gone into this meeting with Randy sort of not knowing and then becoming suspicious of him, but it does turn out at the end that he does he has been calculated about it and has like drawn him out throughout this next interaction which we will tell you about yeah which when they had when randy came to quillerin's apartment because like i don't know if you remember but i suspected this guy from the beginning i was like oh wouldn't it be funny if it was this random guy that we like saw twice (laughs) Oh my god, that's right. Okay, well, you're just becoming Lillian Jackson Braun. Yeah, obviously I am Quillerin and Lillian Jackson Braun. <laughs> <laughs> Rolled into one. Did oh my I god, yeah, because last time Spoiler you were alert. so cranky that you were Quillerin and now you're becoming Lillian Jackson Braun. You're just really embodying these books. Is this podcast ruining your life? <laughs> Maybe this podcast is just unearthing some yeah, you're... <laughs> some deep-seated yeah. parts of my personality. Yeah, you're like natural state. (laughs) Yeah. If only I had been born earlier, I could have been writing these books in the 80s. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah. But anyway, so when, yeah, when this guy came up to Quillerin's apartment, I was kind of of thinking like, you know, like, I, I know I said this guy was like the guy, but like, wouldn't it be incredibly stupid of Quillerin to just like invite the murderer up to his apartment (laughs) by himself and then be like, hey, I know you're the murderer in his apartment when he's like alone with him, but that's exactly what That is truly what he does. (laughs) Truly, truly what he does. And then like puts so, so basically, so he keeps his jazz date, even though Mm -hmm. now he has a a jazz date with a potential murderer (laughs) with a definite murderer yeah yeah with definitely a murderer at that point he only suspects but is pretty sure um so yeah so he keeps his jazz date they start jazzing it up um making sure of course not to do anything with too heavy uh saxophone i think because the cats get crazy yeah they also start boozing it up I mean, not Quillerin, obviously, because he's on the wagon, but he starts boozing up his date. (laughs) That's true. He really does, uh, because, and it's kind of hard to tell, too, actually, I feel like in the writing, whether or not he is actually just getting really flummoxed because he's getting caught, or if he is really drunk, but I think he might be a little bit of both. I think he's both, and I think think that was part of, yeah, the way she writes it is, like, it sounds like he's getting flummoxed because it sounds like it's happening so fast. Yeah. But I think yeah. she's just really bad at writing timelines. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. I think she's really bad at, like, showing, like, true passage of time. Because, like, it was the same thing that happened in the laundry room where it was, like, three sentences later his laundry's done and you're like, um, hello? He literally just put that in the dryer three sentences ago. Yeah, we're going to suspend our disbelief for that. But... Yeah. So I, yeah, I think it was kind of the same thing happening in this where Quillerin was like giving him more and more alcohol because he was, you know, trying to get him a little bit looser lipped as <laughs> the night went on. But like, no, al- like no alcohol kicks in within like two questions, you know? Right. That's true. Cause it does. No, you're totally right. And you're, yeah, that is definitely the problem I was having. I didn't even realize I was having is that I was like, 
I don't truly understand what's happening because you're right because it's like it seems like such a condensed timeline but it is it must have been a little bit longer because it, I think it was supposed to be longer it really just like that is one of the flaws of the books is like time <laughs> doesn't show properly <laughs> maybe time doesn't pass at the same rate in uh moose county slash down below maybe um so basically oh Mushu was chasing his tail and it's the cutest thing ever oh Mushu, buddy Mushu's getting... playful guy Mushu's getting ramped up about uh what's gonna happen to quillerin yeah we don't know what's gonna happen to quillerin he's oh. in a house with a drunk murderer <laughs> that's tr- he truly is in the house with a drunk murderer not <laughs> smart <laughs> So they're talking jazz and then the conversation kind of starts to in his quiller and way he like kind of subtly kind of super not just starts being like well you know what I've discovered and like starts talking about the murder and the things that he now thinks slash knows about what happened and then he also brings up the fact that he thinks that the Peniman uh guzman i think i'm saying this wrong but yeah. flood definitely flood is one of the la- is the last name and Peniman is the first um company has you know nefarious purposes you know is trying to is kind of wreaking havoc to so that they will get the apartment for themselves mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so then that's when i think randy starts kind of like spluttering a little bit and being a little bit like you know acting drunk but also acting like what why do you think that mm-hmm. um and then i think the real crux of it is when quillerin declares like you know kind of sort of points up and is like and do you see that skylight up there yeah there was actually a witness up there who witnessed the murder of diane because that did not happen but yeah randy jupiter does not know that and randy jupiter loses his goddamn mind and the writing of this scene is very strange too because it's like they stand off for what seems like a lot longer than even like him just getting drunk coco Mm -hmm. the whole time has been like on it coco's like why is this man in our house Mm -hmm. hiss hiss weird noise r r r r r 10 11 r's then i think randy jupiter pulls a knife Pulled a switchblade. Oh, what? shit. Um, yeah, he pulls, like, something out, and then I think that's when Coco jumps on him, and then he, like, flips out the blade, and Coco, like, swings his tail in his face, and yeah. things go crazy, and then Quillerin, it sounds like, bitch slaps the knife out of <laughs> his hand, and then, like, knocks him over the head with a bottle of gin or something like that. Yes, that's right, he does, yeah, because Quillerin has grabbed a bottle early in this standoff, and then I think literally just watches Coco mess with him until yeah. the end when he, yeah, you're right, I think I will, I will definitely allow bitch slap into the phrasing here, <laughs> that sounds correct to me. Um, and then right smacks him over the head knocks him unconscious and then like mm-hmm. right as this is happening Arch Riker bursts in with the police in the most well-timed entrance of all time <laughs> and is like you're alive I was here with your dental records to identify your charred remains <laughs> um, so he Arch Riker has a near heart attack and uh, mm-hmm. um, yeah which like I understand that this is a different time, but, you know, wouldn't you think that one of first, like, because it's been like a full day that they think Quillerin is dead and no one has called his phone. Uh, you know, I thought that too. I thought at well, at certain points throughout, even when he was sitting there with Randy Jupiter, I was like, 
So the phone rings next, yes. right? And someone yeah, checks like, on why... him? <laughs> Isn't someone... Yeah, because, like, I know they think he's dead, so they're probably like, oh, no one's going to pick up because he's dead. But yeah. at the same time, like, it was a car, like, his car with charred... Like, no one saw him get shot and, like, explode in a fiery car crash. Like, that could have been anyone who stole his car. That's true, but, I mean, to be fair, I think everyone up in Moose County is just so against the city at this at at this point and at any yeah, point that's true i think they're just really willing to believe it that, really quickly yeah, it, the city is the worst thing that could ever happen to anyone i would still suspect that someone should have had the sense to call his phone polly maybe i know lillian jackson braun has been writing her like a little bit less interesting and less interesting every time but like she's still a smart lady no i know that's the thing too yeah i completely agree it's like the jealousy thing comes back with her this time. Like there are definitely other parts where she's like, yeah, not quite as like smart or on it. And like a little bit too like catering to Quiller and that I'm like, I just don't believe this about this character. Like she's way too, I don't know. You're right. She's like yeah. way too smart. She definitely wouldn't. Cause then later too, Arch Riker says to Quiller like, Oh my God, you're alive. You better not call. Cause Oh, cause he says like everyone in Moose County thinks you're dead. And Quiller like, Whoa, like Polly thinks I'm dead. And he's like, yeah, but you better not call her. She'll be too shocked. Like, I'm going to call Brody, the police chief, and then Brody will break it to her easily. And I was like, no, that's going to take, like, how long? You guys are, like, chit-chatting right? it up right now. Just fucking call her. Like, that's so dumb. <laughs> yeah, like, it'll be surprising, but, like, it also might surprise you what kind of news women can handle. Right. <laughs> right. If we're talking um, about, like, what women all are. Of it. Yeah. <laughs> Any news you have to give, we yeah. can handle it. Yes. But then again, <laughs> we are... I know. And we are in a series here where women faint at the drop of a hat. And, you know, it's just interesting because it is... Yeah, I don't know. It seems like we get, like, glimpses of almost, like, characters that... Like, female characters that I would really want. And then they are they get relegated into, like, this kind of area yet again. Mm -hmm. But... But anyway, Polly is eventually told um, that Quillerin is alive, yes. although we assume, yeah, we don't know. <laughs> because then what happens next is that we flash to, we don't even know what happens to Randy Jupiter because he is somehow just magically out of the apartment and gone and it's nighttime and Quillerin and Arch Riker are going to bed and um, Arch is like ready to leave and Quillerin is like, I'm going to stay until I can like give my testimony but I'm not buying this building anymore and I'm going to go back to Moose County too. I'm so cranky. He gets so cranky hate again. all of it. It's so true. He's so enthusiastic at the beginning of this and he just really goes back to his old cranky ways by the end. Yep. And then in a crazy turn of events because you kind of think everything's over like alright we've wrapped it all up. We kind of get we're we're about to get the the wind down where we like hear all of the tie-ins for what Coco and mostly Coco, but for what Coco and, and Yum Yum have been hinting at Quillerin and Quillerin has only been half listening as most of these books have um, been so far. But then what we get instead, we just look at that a little bit later, but what we get instead is in the middle of the night, Coco losing his goddamn mind and racing around the apartment and like scratching at this one particular point on the floor. And it turns out that the building is on fire and that so Quillerin really quickly wakes up Archriker, shoves the cats into a carrier. So 
what my understanding was after this all happens was that the building was not actually on fire. It was. Oh. Uh, yeah. So it was Coco heard someone in the like. So like he had heard like rats in the floor before and Quillerin called downstairs. Oh, that's and they were right. like, oh, no, it's just a plumber like fixing the pipes underneath your your floor and he was like okay never mind yeah and so Coco heard that same thing again and woke Quillerin up and I think it was Quillerin who made the assumption that someone was in there setting a fire oh and he was like oh Coco's like you know someone's in there like messing with things like Coco's warning us everyone get out like a fire's about to be set but, like, I don't think there was actually, like, because there wasn't any, like, smoke or, like, heat or, like, he didn't actually see anything. Yeah, you know, that's so interesting because I definitely, like, got the second half of this. This is maybe how, like, impressionable I am. Because he was yelling fire, I literally was envisioning flames. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, like, I totally did, too. But then when they described it later he was like oh it like sounded like someone was in there setting a fire but they were really like doing something else and so I don't actually think there was ever a fire I think Quillerin oh, just like man. made an assumption was like my mustache is twinged like tw- <laughs> <laughs> giving me the tingles like everybody out something dangerous is about to happen <laughs> Which I mean, yeah. he was correct, but you know, he was he correct. Very easily been incorrect. <laughs> I mean, fire or no fire, there is about to be a lot of fire in the building yeah. because as soon as Quillerin does get everyone out, the building explodes. Yeah, like nuts, like just so nuts, and then like the entire half of the building just like clean off. Yeah, like so crazy. It sounds like at least yeah, yeah. It sounds like a huge, massive like. It's just so out of, again, like, out of the blue, like, you kind of wrapped it up. But I guess that is a way, then, yeah. to wrap up the sale of the building, because Quillerin does say at the end to Arch that he's like, you know, I don't think us buying it was even the solution, because if we had bought it and refurbished it, then, like, half of the people who were getting really cheap rent wouldn't have been able to live there anymore, and that's not fair. Um, yeah. Not that it blowing up is fair either. That is the no, ultimate not like fair because lots of people died. I'm sure. I mean, it didn't say who got out safe or who was injured or who died. But yeah, there were like 200 tenants in that building and they didn't have a death count at the end. They had like the Red Cross bringing people out. And so there were like a few key friendships that he made that he was like, okay, I see that person. Like, I see that person. But like, you definitely don't see everyone. No. But yeah, it's one of those things that it's kind of like, I mean, it's still like a huge issue that things like this happen all the time with like old decrepit buildings and like things get refurbished and like neighborhoods get like gentrified and like the prices go up and like the older people who have been there their whole lives get like shoved out. And it's one of those things that like, I mean, you see Lillian Jackson Braun kind of, like, writing about it in, like, oh, we'll just, like, fix it this way. But then she does kind of address it at the end. Like, I'll give her props to that. Like, she kind of, like, hints at the end, like, we don't have a solution for this. Yeah. Like, neither Quillerin nor the developers are going to be helping these people who are in this situation. Like, it's just, like, a shitty building. And, like, 
it's not going to get better and if it does they'll be priced out like how do you fix the situation and she doesn't have a solution and you know like there maybe isn't one yeah that was I thought really insightful that throughout you know instead of sort of wrapping it up being like oh you know the Klingage Grand Fund found a way to buy the building it is really insightful that Quillerin even as you know we've made fun of him for sometimes not being the smartest in, you know, just the some of the silly ways that we see him doing things. But to have him realize that and be like, yeah, you know, this whole plan that we had, that would have really fucked over all of these people that were living there. Yeah, I agree. I thought that was really, really super interesting because you are, I mean, it is true. Like from the beginning, you are kind of, even though you're kind of questioning like why Quillerin is doing this in particular and so invested in it because he didn't even want to buy the newspaper in uh, one of the previous books. <laughs> In uh, Moose County. But, you know, from the beginning, I mean, I didn't have any, I 100% from the beginning was like, yeah, sock, sure, they're, they're right. Like the building should be preserved and like it shouldn't be torn down. But you're right. Like when it gets to the end and you're like, oh, it is true that like if they had bought it, I'm sure they would have either had to raise rent or figured out, you know, some. Yeah, I don't know. You're right. It just seems like there's no solution to it. And that's really, uh, it's just really interesting. It's really interesting, like commentary that I did not think we would be talking about. (laughs) (laughs) And it is right. It is really smarter for to not wrap it up in a, a way that, you know, you would think that a novel or a mystery would wrap something up just because of you know having a storyline and a structure and like I think she does a good job of like including all of that but also saying like well I don't have the answer which I mean it is not your job Lillian Jackson Braun to solve (laughs) the problem of gentrification yeah which like obviously she hasn't because that book was written what like 30 years ago and it's still yeah Right. And like, this is a yeah. long-standing problem that one person will not have the answer to. Yeah. But also, that being said, like, it was a very unsatisfactory ending. Yeah, it was pretty crazy, to be I honest. I got to the end and was like, wait, there's no more pages. Yeah, so I think, like, going back to the way Coco was acting. So we, ne- I don't think we ever get an explanation as to why Yum Yum was, like, so lethargic. I think she just liked the waterbed. Well, but we do get the explanation that... The, that waterbed was also Vincent's favorite so I think she was just kind of relating to you know kind of in the way that some cats will like lay where it definitely doesn't relate to the mystery at all but no absolutely not yeah I don't think she was helpful at all in this book <laughs> no no she wasn't but I like yeah. to think she chose not to be helpful <laughs> yeah I mean if I had a choice between like sleeping a lot or like playing Scrabble I'd probably sleep yeah yeah maybe. although I do love bananagrams oh I know love Not bananagrams Scrabble as much but yeah so Coco was apparently giving hints in the form of some of his letter choices in Quillerin's cat Scrabble games like yeah the right. words that he was able to make spot like hoax we mentioned before so the Scrabble tiles lead us to Again, the idea that Coco may or may not be able to hear and understand human speech. Unclear, but like, probably. Yeah, I would say probably because at the end, as now as Quillerin is like reminiscing back as he does now on all of the clues that he missed or didn't quite understand yet from the cats. One of my favorites was the flood that Coco caused with the water Quillerin related to Coco knowing about Peniman, Guzman, and 
flood, which is not spelled F-L-O-O-D even. It's spelled F-L-U-E-D, but pronounced flood. And Quillerin was like, Andy even flooded the bathroom. That smart cat. It's like, yeah, and he can also spell things and know that because I didn't know there were two names for Jupiter. I mean, oh, maybe yeah. in the back of my mind I did. <laughs> yeah, Joe. But like, apparently Coco knows like Roman and Greek mythology. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I mean, he is a well-read cat. We should give yeah. him that. I guess. I guess that's what he does when Quillerin fills his day with, like, random old people interviews. Coco's <laughs> just in there reading all of his, like, Greek and Roman mythology. But it is also funny that if they're playing Scrabble and Coco is picking the tiles, why did he pick Jove? Why didn't he just pick Jupiter? It's not that many more letters. Jupiter. I, yeah, I don't know. I mean... Too obvious. Yeah, that's true. He had to veil it a little bit. Because, yeah. you know, it is kind of true that since... Coco is such a sleuthing, crime-solving cat. But cats are also so devious, too, that, like, they wouldn't want to spell it right out for you. They'd want to make you work for it. Maybe Coco just doesn't care. He's like, I know people are getting murdered. You figure this out on your own time. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Maybe he's a little bit of, like, a chaotic little anarchist character. Yeah, chaotic chaotic good. Yeah, like, he's playing a game, too. And Quillerin's the one that's like, stop killing people! Just tell me! (laughs) I need to know! Solve this murder! (laughs) And Coco's like, you will when you figure it out. Yeah, you will on your own time. Yeah. It's not my fault you can't figure out my clues. (laughs) (laughs) So, I think that's it. Is that it? Um, yeah. Um, yeah, also we hope you guys liked our sneaky little Halloween special that we did. Um, That was really fun to talk about the chilling adventures of Sabrina. And um, oh, and I guess we should also wrap it up and say that Julia did not go to Transylvania slash Kosovo (gasps) slash Albania. Uh, I know. I did (sighs) not. I got a job instead like an adult. (laughs) God damn adulthood. Adulthood. Ruining trips to ruining trips. Oh no, I was just going to say the other day it came up on my Google calendar like your flight to Boston is leaving and I was like I could be in Kosovo right now. Oh, because you're connecting through Boston? Yeah, I well that was the first. It was like DC, Boston, Zurich, Prizren. Or sorry, Pristina. Prizren does not have an airport. Oh, fair. (laughs) Pristina, the capital of Kosovo. So you could have even had just a sneaky fun like one-way trip to Boston. Yeah, and actually that was my my plan. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell my Peace Corps friends I wasn't actually going to (laughs) come visit them. (laughs) My plan was to just hop off in Zurich because I've obviously been to Kosovo before having Uh, lived in Albania for two years. Yeah, yeah. It's a bordering country, so I I popped over there a few times while I was over, but I've never been to Switzerland, so I was... Uh, that was part of my plan when I got my round trip ticket that was cheaper than my one way ticket. Right. Yeah. Um, to just pop off in a country that I had never, but it actually, I think it, it ended up better this way because like, I probably would have gone over there and then like immediately been stressed out that I would have to pay another like $400 to get back home. Yeah. Well, and yeah, it would have just perpetuated a cycle of you constantly having to buy another round trip ticket right. to get home. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, from there, not having a cat, I True. could have hopped the budget airlines and just gone home for like a normal cheap price to yeah. go one way instead of like the $1,500 that you need to pay if you're going one way with a cat. <laughs> <sighs> one way with a cat. 
one way with of a our cat. band one way with a cat <laughs> yeah but anyway we're like way off topic again i did not end up going to dracula's castle for halloween unfortunately that will have to be another halloween uh, in my life i will have to plan that for you know maybe when i have vacation days <laughs> fair Fair, fair. We should also say, too, because I realized in um, the Halloween episode, we do also talk about how we, we were going to try to binge watch The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina and then put something out around the same time. Oh, um, yeah, so I would love to do that. I have been too lazy to get internet in my apartment so far. <laughs> oh, no, you still don't even have internet. Oh, no. I don't have internet in my apartment yet. So well, I, yeah, that I, is goal number one. But you know what? I am actually going to be home. Um, This isn't anytime soon, really. It's at the end of the month, but I'm going to be home for like four or five days over Thanksgiving break. So I can steal their internet and Netflix and watch <laughs> Sabrina all in one day, probably. Yes. Well, I did start watching it. I haven't watched very many. I've only watched like two. I definitely mm. didn't have a ton of time. And yeah. it is really good. It is so different than just like storyline wise like the characters seem really similar for the most part except Mm -hmm. I think Sabrina seems a little bit smarter and like more altruistic and like just a little bit more I don't know just a little bit like super different like everything is just really but still like really interesting and cool like I'm really excited to finish it and then we can definitely talk about it yeah 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 maybe on like a little mini-sode or something Ooh, mini-sode I shouldn't say mini so that's my favorite murders thing. On a, a little baby baby episode. A baby sode. A little baby sode. We'll have a little baby sode about it. No, I hate that. <laughs> Fair. Okay, we'll have we'll just talk about it. We'll have a talk yeah. time. We'll <laughs> come up with a different name for a... <laughs> uh, for a maybe maybe something that doesn't have episode in the name. Sounds good. Or baby. Yeah, I don't love baby either. I mean, a catisode that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> oh, but I like it though. A kitty sode. A kitty sode. Yeah, that works. I'm I'm into it. We can also keep yeah. thinking. <laughs> oh yeah, maybe maybe our normal episodes can be catisodes and our baby ones can be kitty sodes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that only makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, another crime yeah. solved. Another yep. cat sort of not listened to but smarter than all of us yeah um yeah is there anything else i guess we do have our social media up and running um Mm -hmm. follow us on twitter and instagram we're working on thinking about doing a facebook group but i actually don't really have a facebook i have like a like a screen one or just like a normal or um like a shell one for uh to do work for and that's why we drink but I do have a Facebook, but I don't use it. So <laughs> Yeah, I feel like neither of us are really Facebookers. We're, we're not Facebook people. I do use Messenger, though. Oh, well, there you go. To keep in touch with people. That doesn't really help us, but... No, it doesn't. <laughs> but I also don't use Twitter. I'm, like, really more on Instagram, which, I mean, if yeah. any of you follow me on Instagram, that's not really saying much because I don't think I've posted <laughs> since, like, June. <laughs> You're picking I, up your game. You're getting, I, definitely I, putting I some mean, cats out there, doing yeah, some stories. I, I do the, yeah, I do the, like, Snapchat-y part of it more often, I think. Yeah, no, I love stories. Stories are very fun. Yeah, posting cat dinosaur pictures. And oh, that cat dino picture was so good. Cat sock pictures. Oh, just lunch, the greatest. Lunch pictures. Yeah, true, true, also true. Oh, but you know what we do also have? We do also have a book club now. 
Oh, um, yeah. Some wonderful, smart person, uh, Jess, I believe, and that she would love to, they, they, sorry, this was 2018, that they would love to see, um, uh, follow along with a paranormal captivity book club. And I thought that was such a cool idea. So we started um, just a little group um, under my Goodreads. And I just named it Paranormal Captivity, and I threw some of the books that we're currently reading in there. I'll update that soon, too, because um, it, I think it currently has The Cat Who Lived High as um, what we're currently reading. So I'll start to throw in books sort of ahead of time, too, because I think the one after this is The Cat Who Moved a Mountain. So if you do want to read along ever, that we'll put that there um, for people who want to who like to read. and like. <laughs> but for people who are visual, like Julia, go follow us on Instagram. Yeah, Instagram. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Also, I wasn't joking about Pokemon Go, if anyone else. <laughs> we get it. You like Pokemon Go. <laughs> Trade Pokemon with me. I was just saying, you're just like, this is just like a, like a grasping at straws for people to give you Pokemon, I feel like. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I mean, I don't have all the like legendary ones. And if you've been to like Asia or Australia or Africa and have the like continent ones, that'd be great. <laughs> uh, Julia, I try, I truly tried to get you the Africa ones when we were in Morocco. I was really you know, invested. It just didn't work out. Uh, all right. Well, well, yeah. people help Julia out. Um, Pokemon Go. <laughs> I truly don't know how it works, but if you if you see fit to send a Pokemon yeah. her way, is that how it works? Probably not. Yeah, it's actually kind of funny because I like so I was in Albania when this came out, and like the town that I was in had one Pokestop. So I like also kind of don't know how it works, but I'm figuring it out. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right, I think that's it. We'll be back next time. In the meantime, snuggle all your all your cats for us. And here's Mushu one last time. Oh, oh he didn't do it. No. Mushu. <laughs> Bye, Mushu. <gasps> oh. Those are Mushu purrs. That's if such... you can hear them. Oh yeah, that was a good one. Oh, and that was him headbutting. Oh, and now he's headbutting. <laughs> oh, no. Well, we should go uh, since he's headbutting. Bye, people. Bye, cat people. Bye, cat um, people of the world. Thanks for listening to us, and we'll see you next time. Okay, bye. Bye. Bye, Mushu.